As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. This program contains preaching and teaching from an Orthodox Christian perspective to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ and to be victorious in Him. Well, welcome to the show. It's Ogladsome Light every Monday at noon on W4CY.com, the internet radio. So if you have a, a, a smartphone, if you have a computer or a tablet and Wi-Fi connection, you can listen anywhere in the world to this show called Ogladsome Light. And we have a, what do you call it, a simultaneous broadcast. Yeah, I got that one. Simultaneous broadcast in K4HD Hollywood, California and W4VET. We have a Skype address of W4CY Radio. And we have a live call-in number. 561-623-9429. That's 561-623-9429. And uh, if you go into W4CY.com, you can get into the chat room and chat with us today. Today's subject is called Walls, W-A-L-L-S, Walls. Seemed like a pretty hot topic uh, in our society today about walls. And, but I'm going to talk about two types of walls. I'm going to talk about physical walls and spiritual walls. And we'll see where that goes. Now, I wanted to do a definition of what, what is a wall. It's a protection or separation of an area. So that's, that's kind of like a simplistic Merriam-Webster type definition of what a wall is. 
And I was looking, doing some, as I was doing research for this show today, I wanted to find out, are there walls in the world? And I found out, yes, there are. And I'm going to give you a, a little short list of some of the walls. This is not all of the walls, but it's some of the walls. Now, we know there's a wall in, in the Vatican. It's a walled city, and it's about 39 feet tall. It was built way back when to keep out the pirates. What's a pirate? Definition of a pirate is a person who robs or commits illegal violence at sea or on the shores of the sea. So they uh, built a gigantic wall around the Vatican and posted the Swiss Guard to protect the city. You realize if you if you didn't have walls, you'd have to have a lot of people to protect the city. But with a wall, you can protect the city with a minimal amount of force, you know, of uh, soldiers or guards or whatever you want to call them. Now, the Great Wall of China, you know, it's about 5,000 miles long. And it was built in stages to protect the dynasty that was in power against the incursion of the nomads. You remember the Berlin Wall. Now that was a different kind of wall. That was built to keep their people in because that was communism. It wasn't to keep, uh, and, but it also kept people from going in and out because they had a strict society there. If you, and uh, communism uh, restricted the movement of their people. And it, but the wall has come down. Because if they didn't have the wall back then, everybody would run to the west and they would, uh, there would be nobody left in the east. There is a wall in Jerusalem. It's another walled city about 39 feet tall and has several watch towers. And a watchtower is a, a box on top of the wall that the soldiers can sit in and see who's coming. I, I remember when I was in Europe uh, many years ago, I, was, I looked at some of the castles in uh, Germany, and, I, and I, they had these castles with these gigantic walls around them, and I saw these like vertical slits in the wall tower, and I asked the, uh, the guide, what are those little slits for? Remember now, this is when the bow and arrow was the weapon of choice, and that's where the archer could put his bow and arrow into that vertical slot to launch an arrow against an attacking or a marauder. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, you know, at least I had a tour guide that told me what these these narrow slit, vertical slits were in these watchtowers in Germany. Now, also, in a, if you pay attention to the news, there's a big contention going on uh, on the southern border of the United States between uh, us and Mexico. But let me explain. This is not a political show, but I want to kind of give you an idea of where we're at. Uh, a port of entry is where you can come into the, uh, the United States and be legally vetted, you know, with uh, professionals. And then decisions are made on entry or not. Not to jump over the wall. And I was thinking about heaven. You know, heaven talks about, I want to talk about heaven and walls here in a moment. But, you know, you have to come by a certain pathway or you become illegal. That's heaven. And so we see a similarity here, or a direct comparison, to a physical barrier. Now, are walls immoral? Let me answer that question. And maybe you can answer that question for me as I start to explain, uh, do we encounter walls in our daily life? Now, as I drive around the community, I see walls and fences. And what are those for? To keep people out of certain areas. Is that immoral? 
I see in residential developments or even gated communities, you're not allowed in there unless uh, you've been invited. Interesting, isn't it? Now, I was going down I-95, and there are walls on both sides of I-95, but those are like for noise suppression because the neighborhoods complain there's too much traffic noise coming off the highway. So they put some noise suppression walls up uh, to keep that noise to a minimum. But I also noticed down the center of I-95, there's a short wall, and the reason that is there is to keep people from crossing over from the southbound lane into the northbound lane, let's say, and causing a head-on catastrophe. Can you imagine if we didn't have a center strip down I-95 to protect uh, the people going the opposite direction? But it does happen. We hear about people getting on the interstate going the wrong way and causing mayhem on I-95. And I'm not just picking on I-95. It can be any interstate in the United States. You look, the whole idea is about safety. Try to keep the travelers safe, the drivers safe. Now, if we uh, have an issue with walls, well, why don't we tear down the prison walls and let those inmates just run free? What do you think of that idea? I don't think that's a good idea. I think the walls and, and these guys and girls that have violated our, our society law, they're confined from us to protect us. Another thing is, why do we lock our doors at night when we go home or during the day? Is it not to protect those we love that are inside? I mean, when I go to bed at night, I make sure my door is locked and uh, nobody is allowed in that house unless you're invited or have permission. Usually people call ahead and say, hey, I'm coming over. And then, so we're anticipating their visit. And it's like, you know, when they show up, then we open the door and let them in and lock the door again because you'd, you never know, you know. Uh, God forbid we ever have a home invasion where somebody just bust down the door and come in and take your stuff and, and harm you. And that happens. That happens. And that happens a, a lot in the, the southern border uh, where the United States and Mexico, uh, the illegals coming across, not going through the point of port of entries, but coming through and causing all kinds of trouble. But I want to read what's on the plaque of the Statue of Liberty that my grandma and and my and my, you know my grandparents on both sides, mom and dad, they immigrated here from Europe. And they, they saw this plaque, and it says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. She wrote, Send these the homeless temp tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Now, that is the plaque that's on the Statue of Liberty as you enter into the, uh, the harbor. Now, my, my grandparents came through Ellis Island. Okay, and they were uh, vetted before they came in. And I noticed one thing about my grandparents, because I'm the second generation uh, American, because you know my mom and, and dad and so forth were born here in the United States, so that makes me a second generation United States citizen. But when they came here from Europe, uh, one of the first things they did after they were brought in is they learned the, learned the language, and also they... Uh, you know, had to pass tests of immigration tests to get into the United States. And, uh, yeah, I, and they, they salute the stars and stripes, okay? They assimilated into the culture. 
They didn't come in here demanding that everybody be a Belgian or, or, or a Dutchman. They assimilated into the culture. So United States, the legal immigration is welcome. It says, so the plaque on the Statue of Liberty holds true. If we have a, we have a system that's in place, and it, sure, it can be improved. It can be improved. There's always room for improvement. But I'm saying there's a legal way to come into the United States, not bully your way in and say, you owe me this and that and this. And one of the uh, prerequisites of coming into this country is can you contribute to society, not be a blight upon society? I know I'm probably hitting a lot of uh, sensitive uh, areas in your life, but just hang on. Th this, these are physical walls I'm talking about. But the more important things is when I get into the spiritual part, because are we not have a soul or a spirit that's eternal? And then these walls are these these brick and mortar walls or steel barriers, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they're important in a, when we're physically alive on this earth. But where are we going to spend eternity? So let me look in Scripture and, and see, you know, since this is a Orthodox broadcast, Eastern Orthodox broadcast, the, um, the slogan we have here is preparing souls for heaven. And so that's my whole, um, I guess, mission here at W4CY is to, to be able to uh, prepare those listening uh, for heaven. And so I can stand before the throne of God and say, well, Lord, I told him. I told him on the radio. And if you don't, but you have free will, you can say, nah, not interested. And that's your choice. So in Scripture, I looked up a uh, wall. In Strong's Concordance, and then in, uh, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew side uh, of the concordance, it shows up about 133 times the word wall. And what was the wall for back in those days in the Old Testament? They were for defense and protection. Now, I thought about, let's go way back to Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. They were cast out. Why were they cast out? Because they disobeyed God's commandments. They could not walk with God in the cool of the day because they disobeyed what the Lord said, do not do this. They did that. They were tossed out. And to prevent them from re-entering into paradise, God had sent an angel with a flaming sword to guard the entrance so they could no longer come back in to that gateway. It was sealed off. They were kicked out because they made bad choices. Another reference in Scripture is Moses' tabernacle in the wilderness. It had a tall white fence that went all the way around 360 degrees, completely around the tabernacle. And this was a place of worship where the Jewish people would come through a single gate. And to come through that gate, you had to come properly prepared. You had to bring a, an offering that was clean, according to the Torah, the law. And then once you brought in, the, the, the priest would inspect the offering to make sure it was without defect. And then you could come in. And the whole reason for coming in is for uh, to get rid of the sin problem because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the Lord set up this tabernacle. He gave the pattern, this perfect pattern to Moses. He gave him the Ten Commandments on the mountain, but he also gave them the pattern for the tabernacle. 
the, wor the portable worship center that they hauled around in the wilderness for 40 years. And way, the way we know God uh, said amen to that, that design is uh, Shekinah glory came and rested upon the Holy of Holies. And that's where Aaron, the high priest, would go in once a year into the Holy of Holies and, and meet with God and then stand in the gap for the nation of Israel so they could, they could have that sin issue dealt with. So there's only one door in. There was, and, and what was that all about? It was a barrier, a wall between God's people and the world. So the world just, nobody could just come in willy-nilly. You had to come through a proper channel, a proper way. And, and uh, okay, so now the tabernacle eventually becomes brick and mortar. And so we see in Solomon's temple, it's the same design except it's brick and mortar. We don't have a white fabric fence around uh, the temple, the tabernacle. It's now a, a wall, a gigantic wall. And it also, when it was destroyed, it was, Herod built a temple, and it was the same thing. It had that, it was a same, identical to Solomon's temple. Are so walls important in Scripture? Well, look, look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah repaired the breach in the walls at Jerusalem. So walls must be important to God. I mean, there's a wall I'm going to read about here in a moment that's going to uh, amaze you if you if you know uh, Scripture. If you read the Scriptures, you'll see in the book of Revelation it talks about a uh, heavenly city. But uh, Ezekiel 42.40 starts it off. He says, He measured it on four sides. It had a wall around the, the length 500 and the width 500 to divide, now here's the reason why the wall, to divide between the holy and the profane. The divide between the holy and the profane. Continuing, Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse 7 tells us, For he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and surround them for with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him. And he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered, okay, a wall, ordained and blessed by God. Back to Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and the gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach unto God. So Nehemiah asked a, uh, a king, I think the king of Babylon, and, the, and uh, the king said, what do you need? And boy, Nehemiah was ready to go. He says, I need, I need men, material, to fix the, the walls in Jerusalem. And he gave him everything he needed, and he went back to Jerusalem and repaired the walls. He, he, the breach that was in the walls were repaired. Uh, look at Revelation chapter 21. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and the names are written on them, which are the names of the tri 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundational stones and on them were the twelve names 
of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city in its gates and its walls. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as it as the width. And he measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles, its length, width, and height are equal. So I guess it's like a square, you know, or it could be a pyramid. But it was the, the, all the size were the same, and the height was the same. So I don't know, all you math people out there, you builders, it, I don't know if it's a cube or is it a, a, a type of a pyramid. I don't know. Uh, you guys do some research on that and let me know if you went, if you want to know. And he measured this wall 72 yards according to the human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass and I've never seen pure gold that looked like clear glass but scripture tells us that the foundational stones of the city were adorned with every kind of precious stone the first foundation stone was jasper the second sapphire the third uh, chalcedony and the fourth emerald quite amazing description in revelation chapter 21 about uh, the city the heavenly city quite amazing now Remember I talked about, we're going to do a little study here on spiritual walls. I've been talking about physical walls and what the benefit is of, a, of an actual barrier. It's God-blessed. As you, If you would uh, listen to what the scriptures I just uh, I read and the addresses of the scriptures in the, in, the, in the Holy Bible, that you'll see where God blesses these walls. Now, but let's talk about spiritual walls, which are... A lot more important than the, than physical walls. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this, Like a city is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Let me read that one more time and really pay attention. Like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Now, think about it. If you didn't have uh, walls or didn't have a door protection around your house, anybody could come in and do what they want, and you couldn't prevent it. Uh, I mean, I've actually seen uh, homeless people attack each other and rob each other. They're living in the woods and so forth, and they have their little, uh, their little uh, stuff that uh, you know they carry around with them, and and some other homeless come over and attack them and take it away from them. So they don't. There's no walls around them. So you can see, you know, I, I'm glad I got four walls and a door that I can protect my family that lives inside. But now I'm focusing on now the spiritual walls. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Now note on this. God's word is able to set clear walls or boundaries for believers, establishing how we ought to live our lives. We must live a life 
of holiness. This is what that Second Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 16 through 17 is telling us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So the uh, men that wrote the Scripture were obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit and inspiration of the Holy Spirit and wrote what God wanted them to write. And because it, they wrote it in, in obedience, it's profitable for doctrine, for repro reproof or correction. Now, how many people like to be reproved or corrected nowadays? I don't know. Uh, there's, a, there's a rebellious spirit out there that says, you ain't going to tell me nothing. I, I hear that, and it breaks my heart because uh, a Christian should be a humble person and open to reproof or correction and for instruction in righteousness, as 2 Timothy tells us. But to move into this life of holiness requires watchfulness. The early Christian spiritual teachers taught their disciples to develop a Greek word called nepsis. What does that mean? What is nepsis? That is to be wakeful and attentive from the Greek verb nepho, to be vigilant, mindful to that which was inside and around them. And now we're talking about us, the spiritual wall around us that we must build to make sure that com what comes into it is blessed by God because anything and everything can come in. But you have to be... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Be a good disciple and discerner of what's coming in. And I'll expand on that here in a moment. Thus, we also need to practice being completely present to our thoughts and surroundings. Be aware. Be vigilant, okay? This is similar to the military scout at the head of a column or a busy parent attending to their newborn infant. It, it seems, uh, i take a side road here for a minute, it seems like, uh, the firstborn, we really uh, are attentive to the firstborn, take a lot of pictures and so forth. And and uh, the secondborn is kind of like, well, we've done this before. And so now they've gotten more comfortable uh, with raising children because they don't do it like they did with the firstborn. And even my son says, Dad, where's all the pictures? You took more pictures of my of, of, of my sister than he, who was firstborn than me. I, I said, well, um, we did the best we could, son. You know, the firstborn is, oh, wow, we got a child, and we take we take pictures of everything, save their teeth, uh, uh, their bracelet when they're in the hospital. I mean, all that stuff, you know. And, and the secondborn is like, it's a little different. That we back off a little bit, you know. <laughs> so, anyway. But uh, 
B, uh, what I want to talk about here is is that we need to practice being completely present to our thoughts and surroundings. And uh, I used to teach karate. And when in karate class, I taught the, the students, always be aware of your surroundings and your escape route. Now, I'm not talking about being, uh, you know, what do you call it, uh, out of control and, and seeing uh, a robber behind every bush. But I'm saying as you move about your day, you'd be very aware of your surroundings. So if anybody tried to sneak up on you or do you harm, that you were ready to defend yourself. And that's just in karate. But in the military, and really, if you think about it, are we not in the military in the Christian army? We're supposed to be in the military. You know, have a militant uh, spirit. Uh, aren't we not the representative of Jesus Christ? And we're supposed to be taking this stuff seriously because there is an enemy out there trying to undo us. So a military scout who's leading a platoon would be very aware of around uh, his, so he wouldn't bring the rest of his platoon into danger. That's what the scout would do. I mean, even the uh, uh, in the you know when America was was going west, they would use the Indians as uh, as trackers and uh, uh, scouts to help the, the white man. I guess you could say move west. So what is watchfulness in the Orthodox tradition? It involves a continual guarding of the heart. Guarding the heart, that's that wall, that spiritual wall we need to put around our heart. It's the center of our soul from all thoughts that lead us away from God. These thoughts are called logosmi in the Greek. I said, well, you're getting a little Greek lesson now, aren't you? Logosmi is those thoughts that come in into our heart. Now, these thoughts can mislead us or distract us when we're praying. It seems like that happens continually. If you're in prayer and all of a sudden all these other thoughts are coming in your mind, you say, wow, what's all this about? I'm trying to concentrate on praying unto the Lord. And when you pray, it's, it's called breathing in the Holy Spirit. That's what prayer really is. So if you're not praying, you're really not breathing. How long can you live without breathing? They are not like we normally think of thoughts. Okay, so these thoughts are coming in. Be aware when you're in prayer about the logos me, those thoughts that are coming into our minds. They seem to come from nowhere. That they are temptations intended to lead us astray. They are not the result of our rational process, but come from outside and us sent by the devil to lead us away from God. Isn't that the plan of the devil from the beginning all the way back to Adam and Eve to take those two parents to be, they're not parents yet, but parents to be, away from God. And it, they played right into the trap. And God had to banish them out of paradise. Now, these thoughts are not our thoughts they are directed at our weaknesses and our passions. And we ta I talked about, I did many shows on our weaknesses and passions. Because of our fallen nature, because of Adam and Eve's choices, our, our passions have become uh, corrupt. And they become out of balance. And that's why we have to spend a lifetime, it seems, in that process called theosis of getting ourselves back into the right frequency of worshiping God, loving God, in the way that he wants to be loved and worshiped. It's not a free-for-all. Okay, 
What are the passions? What do they do? They lead us to sinful activities. And they take us away from God. So when we sit down for prayer, when we intend to focus on, we, it, that's, that's what it takes training. It takes watchfulness and training to focus completely our attention on God when we're in prayer. But against our intention, we're bombarded by thoughts that take us away from our prayer and concentration on God. All of a sudden, you start thinking, well, I need to go do the dishes, or I need to do that, or I better change the oil in the car, and on it goes. Did I lock the front door? And I mean, what, what's going on? Your focus has been divided, and, and now you get, you're moving, into, uh, moving away from your full intention of praying unto God without uh, interruption. They are coming to from us without the intention of disrupting our prayer to keep us separated from God, which I tell you is a is a devil's plan. Now there was a Saint Paisios who lived on the holy mountain of Athos, and uh, he was a he was a contemporary saint, and he said this: thoughts are like airplanes. We all know what airplanes are, right? They fly over ahead all the time. Okay, thoughts are like airplanes flying in the air. If you ignore them, there is no problem. If you pay attention to them, you create an airport inside of your head and permit them to land. So that's that logo's me I'm talking about, those thoughts that come in. Don't be in, don't be an airport for those thoughts to land on you know on your airstrip. St. Paisios goes on to say, spiritual health equals pure thoughts pure thoughts and an enlightened mind and a purified heart that unceasingly harbors Christ and the Panaea, which is our blessed mother who gave birth to Christ. Now, if, if Christ is the son of God, which he is, then the Panaea, or the blessed mother is the mother of God. It's obvious. Did she not give birth to Christ? So the son of God and the mother of God. Okay. When you're born, there's a three-step process here. When you're born, you have self-awareness. You cry. You want to be fed. Your diaper's wet. You're aware of yourself. And you make it known to your parents by crying and carrying on and so forth. And then the mom or dad, they come in and help you uh, be comfortable. Well, then as you grow up, you become a world conscious. And that world consciousness is you see people around you and all the stuff that's going on around you. Now you become world conscious. But God doesn't want it to stop there. He wants you to become God conscious. And I'm going to tell you about that process in a moment. That every moment you wake up or go to bed, you think about the Lord and not yourself. Watchfulness over ourselves and prayer are a great help in acquiring that spiritual health. But I talked about that saint pius is telling us about and that process we use in the in the church is called theosis that process of being saved prayer is essential for the purification of the soul and prudence is essential for the preservation of a healthy spiritual good condition that's continuing with uh saint pius what is our purpose in life remember that we are preparing for a heavenly life to come. It's a future event. We should always be looking forward to the end of our earthly life and think of ourselves as training for this future, our life with God in heaven. Remember, the flesh is at war with the spirit, and God is a spirit. So our flesh 
is at war with the Spirit. So we should not be too surprised about that conflict that's going on. Now, in the Orthodox Church, you know, Paul, St. Paul tells us to pray without ceasing. So how can I do that? Well, we use the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. We say that all day long. Now, it's not like yoga or transcendental meditation. It is based on the reality of a living relationship with God, okay? A living relationship. We don't serve a dead God. He is, the, is he not the God of the living? As it tells us in Scripture, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are they dead? Their bodies may be, but are they alive in heaven? Yes. David's casket is in Jerusalem. But where's David? He's in the presence of God, his soul. Now, the God who revealed himself to us in his incarnation, the God who humbled himself to take on human flesh, to become fully man, yet remaining fully God. That's the dual nature of Christ. That's what we're talking about. You can't see God the Father, but you can see Christ. And some people say to me, well, we don't know what Jesus looks like. Well, I do. And so how do you know? Well, there's a story in our tradition of the Mondelion. It's a cloth. And in a real quick thumbnail story, the king of Edessa had leprosy, and he sent his servant to go fetch the Lord, to bring the Lord to him for a healing. And what did Jesus do? After the, uh, the servant arrived and met Jesus and told him what the, uh, his, the, his, ser his king wanted him to do, Jesus said, well, I'm not going. But instead, I'm going to do this. He took a cloth and he pressed his face into it and he and imprinted his face into this cloth called the Mondelion. This is not the, uh, we call it the, uh, the shroud of, uh, I don't know, there was a, there was a Catholic uh, story about that, uh, the Rachel or something like that. I'm not, I'm not sure. But in the Orthodox Church, the Mendelion uh, was that cloth. It's called the icon, not made with human hands. And so it has a, it has a beautiful picture of the Lord on it. And the servant took that cloth back to the king. And he says, if you wash in the river, and gaze upon this icon, you will be healed. He was, and he became very important. And so we preserved that Mendelion for many, many years. It's been hidden from the Muslims and the Turks and so forth. And where it's final resting place, I don't know. I, I didn't prep this morning's show to, to talk about the Mendelion. But there is that, that icon not made with human hands uh, of the Lord on the earth. And the king of Edessa realized a, a tremendous healing by looking upon that icon. Now he showed us the way to become united with him. So the Lord came here for a specific purpose. He showed us how to love one another and be exactly what we're supposed to be. Now he was crucified, arose and sat on the right hand of the Father in heaven. And he opened up the gates of paradise for those who choose to follow him, just like Lazarus did. Remember I talked about paradise or torment last week, the Lazarus and the rich man, and Lazarus made it into paradise, Abraham's bosom, but the rich man didn't. Now, if you want to know why, just go back and listen to last week's show. It's all there, okay? And I'll get you to listen. Oh, glad some light. .org. Go, you can go on iHeart or go on YouTube. 
It's all on there. Go to my website, oglassoflight.org, on the front page. I have links that take you, take you right to uh, these uh, resources. As Christians, God has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. We strive to become like him and out of our love for him, enter into an ongoing dialogue with him. That's where I said prayer is like breathing in the Holy Spirit. This leads us to, uh, to a mind that is ever focused not on stillness or emptiness, but on actions that carry out his will, actions that are without sin, actions based on love. That's the whole, the whole gospel. If you look at the, at the four gospels, the basic is love. Go to John. The first part of John says, God is love. Now we are created in his likeness and image and out of his love for us and our love for him, we are destined to be united with him in eternal life. But watchfulness is the key to realizing that potential. Be all you can be. And God has given you all the equipment so you can be all you can be. Just like the army, be all you can be, right? But let's, let's be all we can be in God's army. Now, the Jesus prayer, coupled with the life of repentance, because remember, without repentance, there is no means of salvation. Repentance is that turning around and walking a different way, thinking a different way. And participation in the sacramental life of the church helps us gain the grace of God, which enables us to become like him. And all the sacramental life of the church is like tools in a toolbox to help us inherit salvation, eternal life. That's what they are. All the sacraments are tools that help us get there. Now, a mind that is left to its own devices, and there's a lot of that out there, it will remain undisciplined. An undisciplined mind is impossible to control. In fact, to say, you're not going to control me. Oh, yeah? Well, that does not the Holy Spirit want to control us, and, and it's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's not like... Uh, communism and all that stuff where they want to control you because that's that man-made stuff that's with uh, wicked hearts it ends up in a it's wrong it's totally wrong but the holy spirit in perfection wants to control this isn't that one of the fruit of the holy spirit is self-control one of the prayers in the psalms from the morning watch until night and from the morning watch let israel hope in the lord the prophet uses the word watch in this military sense of guard duty. A watch is the period or shift of a guard duty undertaken by the Roman soldiers who divided the night into three-hour watches, with the guard changing every three hours. According to the commentary by St. Nicodemus the Hagarite on this passage, from the morning watch refers to the final period of guard duty of the night, from three until six o'clock in the morning. Which regarded, which regarded as being already daytime or the morning watch. The mind can only be purified by the Holy Spirit, okay? For unless the mighty one enters into the mind and despoils the thief, which is the devil, in no way can the booty that the thief has stolen be recovered. Now the Lord has made all of this possible through the death, burial, and resurrection. We serve a living God, not a dead God. Jesus Christ is the only one I know that rose from the dead. We must therefore by every means and above all through peace of our soul. And I tell you what, the world wants to take that peace away from you because Jesus says, I give you a peace that the world can understand. But you have that peace from above. 
to ensure that the Holy Spirit swells within us so that we might have the lamp of spiritual knowledge ever lit within us. That's from St. Diodocus. Now, in the morning when you wake up, let's pretend you have two telephones at your bedside. One's painted blue, one's painted red. And they're both ringing. Which one do you pick up? Well, I probably want to pick them both up. Well, let's say that the blue one is heaven and the red one is hell. I prefer to pick up the blue one because I don't want to pick up the red one because I know where that's going to end up in the destruction. Let's get the blue one, right, Dee? Absolutely. <laughs> blue is definitely a lot better than red. <laughs> I know I do not want to pick up that red phone. <laughs> now, if we do pick up that red phone, the devil smiles, and he wins that day. And Christ has to sit down off on the side and say, I've given you all these things and all these resources and all this truth. I've given you my body and my blood at communion. I've done everything I can. I've resurrected from the dead. And you're still picking up the red phone? Come on. I don't want the devil to win. Absolutely. My life's slogan is, not today, Satan. Not, <laughs> not today. today. Right. Now, we are created to be in unity with God through Jesus Christ. The devil will try everything in his power to prevent this. Remember the Garden of Eden, which I've been talking about. The Garden of Eden, where Adam ever kicked out. So he tells us we have to be born again in the Spirit. So John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. Let me read that. Jesus answered it to Nicodemus. He was a private disciple. came to him at night. I say thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Can remember, God is a spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The, okay, the marvel not. The wind bloweth where it will, and heareth the sound thereof. But thou cannot tell whence it comes or whether it goeth, so that everyone is born of the Spirit. It's the same way, okay? It's an inside job. And how does this happen? At, in, it happens in baptism. It happens in baptism in the church. And I'm going to read this prayer that we uh, pray uh, over the water and also the, the person being baptized. But do thou, O Master of all, show this water, the baptism waters, to be the water of redemption, the water of sanctification, the purification of flesh and spirit, the loosing of bonds, the remission of sins, the illumination of the soul, the laver regeneration, the renewal of the spirit, the gift of adoption to sonship, the garment of incorruption, the fountain of life. For thou hast said, O Lord, wash ye, be ye clean. Put away evil things from your souls. Thou hast bestowed upon us from on high a new birth through the water and the Spirit. Now what happens in the Orthodox Church is this. You go through the baptism waters and you are, it's a three, it's a threefold immersion. You disappear, you come up, you disappear, you come up, and you disappear, and you come up. It's Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's a tr Holy Trinity baptism. And the point is, when you disappear, that's what's supposed to be happening. I'm going to talk about Basil the Great here in a moment. But let me continue with the prayer that we say over the waters, uh, actually putting the cross into the waters and making this baptism waters holy for the, for the candidate. O Master, our Lord and God, who is through the fount, bestowest heavenly illumination upon them that are baptized, who has regenerated thy newly baptized servant by water and the Spirit, has granted unto him remission of his or her sins. 
That's what happens at baptism. You come out of the water, and the next sacrament you get is chrismation in the Orthodox Church, where you're anointed with holy uh, miron, holy oil, and that's the Spirit. So you get the water and the Spirit, as Jesus was talking about the Nicodemus. St. Basil says this, First, it is necessary that the old way of life be terminated, and this is impossible unless man is born again. As the Lord said, regeneration at its very name reveals a beginning of a second life. Here Basil understands born again in the sense of one life ending under pagans, you know, the, serving the pagan gods, and another life beginning under a life of Christ. Now what is the proof that we're new creatures in Christ? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such things there is no law. And that's in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. That's how you know. That's your uh, litmus test if you've been born again. Okay? Final. My final word here. Because I have to go. We're almost out of time. Philippians 4.8. This is that part of the wall I'm talking about. It's built around your heart. Finally, brethren, Philippians 4.8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So now you, you know what you're supposed to think about. You Now you know what you're supposed to think on. I want to read that one more time so you get it. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, this is... Uh, Paul telling the, the people at, at, this, at Philippi what to think about. Things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. And it's your job to think on those things. If not, you're going to pick up the red phone and you act, you're going to act like the devil. And I don't want to act like that. I've got a role model called Jesus Christ. I want to act like him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Ogladsome Light Podcast. We hope this program has encouraged you to fight the good fight of faith and walk in the accordance with the commandments of our Lord. May God bless you on your journey to salvation. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.